Hi everyone, it's Kirsty here. Just a quick little message before we get started. I recorded the podcast with Nikki and then I found a fantastic question on SpeakPipe where someone had asked an anon question and it's a woman who is moving to Saudi or considering moving to Saudi and she wanted to know our thoughts on what life in Saudi was like for expat women at the moment. Uh, I'm so sorry that I didn't see the message until after we'd recorded the podcast but I will fix it and get onto it straight away. What I'm going to do is post the question in anonymously into our Two Fat Expats Facebook group and I'll ask women about what it's like living in Saudi at the moment as expat women. And I'm also going to put together a piece of audio which will go with our new podcast series, uh, 20 Things You Need to Know Before You Move To. And in that podcast series, I've already done Abu Dhabi, I'm moving on to Bahrain and Cairo and Dubai are all coming up next. But I'll add Saudi to that list. So for anyone else that is thinking about moving to Saudi and wondering just what it's like at the moment now, uh, I am getting onto it for you. Anyway, thank you. I just wanted to throw that in here. I didn't want anyone to think that we had forgotten. Uh, here's today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. We're back. Uh, Nikki Moffat, how are you going? Where are you right now? Hello, Kirsty Rice. I'm going very well, thank you. I am in Bagara, Queensland, where I now reside. So this is our second podcast with you as a repatriated uh, person. How, how's it going? How? So I guess if we were to wrap it up in a nice, neat bow... Last time it was pretty good. You were waiting for your shipment was arriving the next day. Is that right, or had it just arrived? No, I, it well, it was arriving the next day. That's correct. And I'm so ashamed to say I still have boxes. It's the first time in my moving life that I've had boxes so many weeks post move. I think it's <laughs> four weeks since the boxes came. But um, yeah, I just I haven't been able to. Um, crack them yet Kirsty but I'm, I'm getting through them I've only got about 10 left in the kitchen Ugh. do you think it's got something to do with you working full-time as well when you've got a lot going on yes might have something to do with a seven-day a week job could be <laughs> <laughs> um, and also no children here so I although my daughter's now home for the holidays so I did that actually got me motivated a little bit but because my husband and I we were just happy to not happy to live surrounded by boxes but there wasn't any imperative like we didn't have to unpack the kitchen or unpack sort of everything okay Nikki so we've got a couple of questions one of them you have more a repatriated question and one of the questions was a fantastic question that went in the Two Fat Expats group this week um, and I'll just quickly run through it. I just thought, oh, this is a great thing to talk about um, and, and I guess it was one of those, you know, sometimes questions come where you see yourself many years ago or you think about something from many years ago and you remember who you were or who your friends were and decisions that were made. And, and what they meant to you at the time. And this one was one that kind of really resonated with me. Uh, and from the 144 comments I'm gathering, it resonated with quite a few people. So it said, I'm feeling very alone in my feelings and I'm hoping to find some comfort. 
which is great because that's what we're all about at Two Fat Expats. Uh, that's great. We, we are Aussies living in America. We've been here since July 2016 and in that time we've become parents to three children who are currently four, two and two months old. A huge part of me would like to move back to Australia partly before my children start school for obvious reasons. However, moving back just feels really hard. We've been away from family for 13 years in total and the thought of living close feels challenging. I know there will be a lot of good things too, but it feels almost scary. I struggle when our parents stay with us when they visit and maybe that's what's getting in the way of focusing on the good. The other hurdle is the current cost of living in Australia. My husband has a good job in the States and it's stable. We live in a great we live a great life here and I worry that if we move to Australia life will be full of stress that will primarily be financial. Thinking about the details feels impossible. I don't know how moving back would work for our family, but I'm also filled with guilt for keeping my children away from their grandparents and their cousins. Has anyone been through this before? It feels like we're at a crossroads and the decisions need to be made, but I just can't figure out what the right choice is. Is there even a right choice? Nikki. What would you say to our poster? Well, I have to say I uh, read a lot of the 144 comments and I really found a lot of them so insightful Uh, and I guess at different stages of my expat life I felt a lot of of these things as well. Um, Yes. I just think uh, someone said, which I think just really sums it up for me, I don't think anyone lives without regrets of one kind or another. At the end of the day, we can only try to make the best decisions that are right for us at at the time. And I just think that's true. Like I I think that you make the best decision at the time. And, you know, I went through this more than once, but once significantly when I was away and, you know, when my mum got sick and we had to decide whether we were going to move back or not. And it, all the things that she talked about there came into play. Um, and I just, I can't, you know, I can't begin to sort of understand what she's going through. Um, I left America in July 2016, so that sort of, I feel a little bit of a connection um, yes. to this poster. And I just, I just feel, I don't know, it's, it's such a difficult question and I think it's one that everybody faces. I don't think regardless of people sort of, you know, seeming to be quite uh, happily marching in one direction or another and, and saying things out loud, I think that everybody deep down has some insecurities and, and fears, not in a bad way but just, you know, some underlying niggles about you know, whether they are doing the right thing for the fam- for their family. Yeah, yeah. Look, the one thing that really struck me with this question, and I, th- I just thought it stood out so strongly, was it was all about how everybody else felt. It, it right, was, yeah. It was her guilt and it was, am I doing the wrong thing and, sh- you know, should I be letting my, you know, parents have more involvement? And, you know, the, uh, there was one thing she said that I thought uh, was interesting was it said moving back feels really hard and, and, and it is. Three children under five moving back would be 
really, yeah. really. Just the logistics. Going to the supermarkets hard. Hard. That's right. <laughs> um, and she, but it was when she said the thought of living close feels challenging. And I know one of the things that happens to us as expats when we're raising children is if you do have a bit of a distance from your parents, then when they come to visit, it can be a bit of a struggle because you've made all these decisions on your own and you have very set ideas of your own of how that family looks and I think you know Nikki you and I didn't have to have every Tuesday mum takes the kids and every Friday dad does this with them or you know we have this or whatever because when you do that you also have to put up with a lot of input because people have a lot of input about you know what the kids are up to and what they should or shouldn't be doing saying eating drinking whatever whatever um but I I just thought it was uh really uh that, that that was the big thing that I wanted to say to her, you know, what what do you want to do? Forget the kids, forget your husband, whatever. What what would you like to do? Are you happy living in America for now? Do you think it's a great place for your kids for now? And I think, you know, someone uh, raised the bit about financial stability and whatever. Um Someone said, oh, if you're a single income family or one of you contributes significantly more than the other, then follow that person's career. I don't know how I feel about that, Nikki. No. I, I, I don't know about that. I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble because I think, Nikki, you know, you and I 20-odd years down the track uh, yes. because they end up with zero career because they're they're putting all their eggs into the basket of the lead uh, expat as in the career expat and they can find themselves with a 10-year gap on their resume in a really crappy situation. I just I I could be really uh, projecting on this one Nikki because I too looked at you know how Facebook does that thing it shows us you know of years gone by. 15 yes. years ago Facebook showed me yesterday it was my last day in the office in Calgary. So that ah. was our yes and so that was you know country number 5 or something. But I never went back to the office. I then had my, you know, I went off to Houston. We had four children under six, you know, busy, busy. Oh, sorry, no, I would have said four children under eight. So, you know, it was just timing didn't work or whatever. I got to Qatar and then I I could not physically do the office with all the different school times and whatever and we were there for someone else's, it was their job, their visa, their their deal. So I suddenly went, oh, shivers, I've got to find myself a job where I can work from home or or work some sort of flexibility and started writing and, and was very, very lucky that I then started doing online work. But I don't know if someone would have tapped me on the shoulder that day that I left and said, hey, by the way, this is your last day at the office for 15 years. You won't be bringing your, bringing your lunch in and popping it in the fridge or going and having a coffee with a colleague or, you know, sitting in a meeting with a client or whatever. Those things are all over for you now. I don't know how I would have felt. 
But, um, yes, back to the words of wisdom of others. What else did you like, Nikki? On your theme there about how she felt, someone wrote, don't move for other people. Home is definitely Mm. defined by your kids and your husband. Your friends are your family too. Yes. And that was said by somebody who had left Spain to be with family in New Zealand. But when they got back, they just didn't fit in. So everyone was busy with their lives and and they weren't being – as important as they thought they were going to be yes. in, in the scheme of things. And then, then they moved to Australia and then now um, in Canada with teenagers. So I think that they they also, you are a product of your own life experiences. So they have given their advice based on that ex- life experience. But I also would, I would agree with what they said there. Yeah. Um, and we have know, so many people that are always surprised. They think that their parents are going to help them so much because I think when you've got <laughs> when you've got three uh, or four young children and it is hectic and crazy and you're exhausted you and you do you see other people with their families I know it used to re- the one thing that used to really hit me it wasn't so much the caring it was when you would go to the grade one concert and everybody's grandparents would be there um, you know, if you're living in an America, you know, North America, you will be surrounded by it. it's not you're all expats, right? Whereas I think in Qatar, I didn't find that that hard because in Qatar, there was, you know, not, not a lot of people had their parents there unless, unless it was a special holiday or something. And that's, and these people are in a US environment where they will probably be surrounded by people that have stable families and that they, that they see, what they think that they're missing, a grass is greener situation. Not that they necessarily think that the grass is greener, but they see what other people are having and think we could have that. Whereas, as you say, if you live in a a predominantly um, transitional or expat-related community, you don't have that. Everyone's in the same situation and you're all helping each other out in that grandparenty kind of situation and it's in those environments where everybody's got their grandparents that someone inevitably says oh I could never do I could never do what you do I could never have my children away from their grandparents I could never take them away I would never do that to my parents (laughs) um my my mother worked until she was well over 65 so uh, you know, our situation with kids and I thought there were a few people that gave great advice about could you take the kids home and do a house swap or a house sit or do whatever, you know, where you go home and you've got your own place and and you can kind of sit around and get a feel for it. I think, you know, I said all the time when my kids were little, it worked wonderfully for us because my mum would come to wherever we were and just, you know, sit with kids for three weeks or yes. we would we could go home for those big long summer breaks, you know, for up to ten weeks at a time. And my parents, I'm sure, couldn't wait to get rid of us by the end of it because we were right there under their feet in the beds, you know, being a part of it. And I think we we got very lucky because of it because we had those big pieces of time you know if we I've said before if we had stayed in Australia we would have lived on the other side of Australia we wouldn't have had that time you know because financially I would have had to have been working sort of full-time where I didn't get those holidays um and I you know it is I think someone said something that they've always thought the grass was greener wherever you weren't (laughs) 
And yes. I think that's, that can be true and you're always going to hold a lot of guilt regarding your parents. You're always going to wonder uh, what it would have looked like. I mean, like you said, Nikki, you, you more than anyone know the horror of that of your mother getting sick and then passing away but at the same stage I think you've spoken about sort of not knowing what that would have looked like for the kids even if you'd stayed. Yeah no or if we'd gone home and would I have been resentful of that you know or would uh, like our relationship dynamic have changed because I made this decision that we have to go home because of my mother you know all that kind of stuff so yeah there there are all those things and, and as you say like you don't know you don't know what would have happened so it is it mm. is exactly what it is. And to this person we just say we are glad that the Federati were there for you and um able to uh give you so much advice. And I think from the comments that the poster made that she felt that it was helping her clarify and she was feeling the way that some of the people were commenting. So I think that's yes. good. But yes. inevitably it is it is a key question. It comes up all the time. And her question of um has anyone been through this before? Was like uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I, only 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 twice a year. <laughs> That's right. It um, was the right I, place I did, to come to ask. There were a couple of things that really struck me when people sort of said, "Oh, this is the hardest part." And I was thinking, "Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if this bit is the hardest part because then once your kids get into school and whatever. But I I think it goes back to someone, we were tagged in this post, Nikki, because someone said Kirsty and Nikki always talked about thinking that they would be home by the time their children started school and that that just kept getting extended another five years and extended another five years. So my first child went home when she was 15 and three quarters, so we extended quite a few times. (laughs) But... Hey, it's it's all worked out. But I think someone wrote, nothing needs to be forever, whatever decision you make or the best. But I was thinking, oh, I don't know. She's asking, you know, her husband to quit his job or, you know, that that is a big decision to all go home and then change your mind two years later. I think you have to be prepared that, you know, either if if you think you could change your mind in two years, just stay another two years would be my my thing it's a it's expensive yeah. exercise moving I would also say that you also have to consider uh, the different work environments in different countries and yeah. so um, if depending on what kind of contract you're related but if you're employed on local terms in the US like you could have two weeks notice and that's it yes it's not like if you're employed in Australia um, and they don't have the same kind of necessarily packages um, but obviously it all depends on many many things those are other things you have to consider that the employment laws in each country because as we all know a situation could change at the drop of a hat and then you're in a totally different environment yes yes now Nikki you had a question what was that Okay, so my question was a bit, a little bit of fun, but it's something that is, is, I think it's real and I think it's fair. And uh, I was talking about it with Sam today, and he's like, "Yeah, you're right. I, that that is something I just assume." Yes, but we have recently returned after twenty years overseas, and 
we have just been picking up with all these people, like all our friendships were on pause. Like, you know, we just press pause and now we're re-entering the friendship. Hello, we're back in the chat. And we, I was thinking about us and, you know, some of the people I've had conversations with and we've talked about mutual friends and mutual people we know and they say things like, oh, I haven't seen them in ten, that person in 10 years or, you know, we used to, you know, once a year get together and we haven't done that for five or six years or, you know, and so I just wonder had we stayed in Australia for the whole time, would these people be our friends now or are we just kidding ourselves that we've still got all these friends? Would the, we, we would we have had natural attrition? Because I think this is what we say um, all the time when our friendships, particularly when you're somewhere for two or three years, you know, and we say expat friendships, you fall hard and you fall fast and it's all in uh, and yes. then it's devastating to leave and you just assume that all those friendships are on hold and you can pick them up at any time in the future because that's the kind of life that we lead. Whereas we're walking yeah. back into an environment where that's not necessarily the kind of kind of friendship that people have here. Like, well, if you live somewhere for a long time as well. So, you know, friendships can fall away and fizzle out, etc. So would all these people be our friends if we had stayed? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that question, but it's just something that I have been thinking about because so many lovely people called us when we came back and have been, in, you know, in contact and made an effort to see us and all sorts of things. And I think that's all very lovely. But I just think, well, which one of the people would we not have seen if we if we'd been here for twenty years? So. I was having a conversation with a woman the other day and she was saying that she went back to Texas for um, the summer and she's in an area called the Woodlands, which a lot of people know in Texas. It's a real family-orientated sort of area. And um, she was doing her usual thing. If She slotted back into the world that she used to be in where she was going running and she was, um, you know, doing all of these things that she used to do with these people. Her, her children are now older um, but she had done a lot of things with these people when their children were younger and she said it was an interesting thing because she felt the need to say thank you to them because she had a real moment of clarity of I'm so lucky to have you guys that I can just dump myself back in your lives and you're quite open to letting me be a part of it, you know, because you could easily move on without me or whatever. But when she did that and she said, oh, you know, I just want to say thank you for letting me back in and, you know, just picking out where we left off and whatever. And a couple of them said, oh, well, I actually, you know, haven't seen Jenny for, oh, I don't know, was it last year, Jenny, or was it, you know, whatever. They they hadn't had what she had considered they'd had. Yes. And Yeah, and it's like you just said, your friend said, oh, we haven't seen that person for, you know, 10 years. I think we're looking on from afar going, oh, well, they're all friends and they see each other all the time. But that's maybe not the case. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say, no, you would have lost a few of them over <laughs> the 20 years. And because, which ones? You know, like yes. it's just, it's just, it's just yes. Well, I think you're probably about to find out <laughs> because you're that's back. That's probably very true. I know, but it's really something, it's an interesting thing to consider, right? And, yes. and I, I don't know, it's just it really made Sam think about it today. He was like, 
oh, you're right. I just keep thinking we just I pick up where we left off. Mm. <laughs> like, but we yeah, did talk Nikki- about how we did have dinner with a couple and we really did struggle a little bit to sort of make it to yes. the end. Yes. And we're like, are we just so different now? Not, you know, not that we, we just, you know, you can only do so much reminiscing about 20 years ago and 30 years ago, whatever. And yes. you're like, and then, and then what happens? What yes. happens then? I don't know. Do you know what I find with those people? Um, because I, you know, I have a group of friends that have been very lucky to have had for over 20 years. And, you know, Nikki, we do this footy tipping competition together. And that is a great way because, we're not having real relationships where we're doing it. We're throwing in little tidbits here and there and whatever. For example, in last year's one, you know, we had little tidbits all the way through and it wasn't until because we all get together at Christmas. We always get together 27th December every year. And last year when we got together, I was talking to uh, my friend, uh, I won't name him just in case, but I was talking to him, you know, and he said, oh, you know, we've, we've broken up right talking about his wife and I was like uh no I I had no idea that he'd broken up with her during the year Uh, he's not a Facebook person not that I think that'd be something you'd put on Facebook but I was (laughs) announcement yeah yeah two things really impressed me one that was none of my other friends gossiped enough to tell me do you know that nobody (laughs) said oh my god did you see um but What I really felt at that time because I felt this enormous amount of love for him because he's a person I have known since he was at university and uh, pre-children and pre-drama and there we were having this really deep conversation because he had had to do a lot of work uh, thinking about why why they'd broken up and what had happened and you know where he was in his life and all that sort of stuff so we I I, I was just thinking we don't need to see each other all the time because we've just gone bang you know straight into this other place at the same time I have people on my wedding invite list because you know we all had an excel spreadsheet back in the day where I've gone oh who was that like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who was that person that, that came to my wedding? You know, like I invited everyone from work. I invited. Yeah, I had a work table. Know, I've had yeah. I've probably there's two or three people from the work table that I'm not in contact with anymore. Um, but the others I am. But, yeah, no, there there's yeah. definitely some work table people that are not on my list. Look, I love, I love, love, love this conversation about friendship because I have been doing the deepest, deepest dive into friendship at the moment um, because I, I have noticed in our Two Fat Expats group, friendship is just a very common thing. It comes up so much more, Nikki, than it ever, ever used to. And people are very concerned about what sort of friendships they're having or not having any friendships or not being able to make proper friendships. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I've learnt um, because I'm I'm doing all of this research because I'm going to do an e-course on expat friendships. But one of the things that's really struck with me is I think that there is this, um, uh, this idea and I don't know where it's come from but everybody – is looking out at sort of the world of social media thinking, 
oh, I'm meant to have, you know, 15 great girlfriends that I go away yes. on women's weekends with and I'm meant to have, you know, and we all dress up and we all do this or I'm, I'm meant to have this incredible book group that, you know, goes off to Italy or I'm meant to have this in my life. And the truth is most of us would be really lucky to have two or three really good friends and the other thing that I've really thought about is how bizarre it is and this is why I think expat friendships do work so well is we have very strict or we have very clear ideas on what we want in our relationships I want this sort of person I want this sort of marriage or I don't need a marriage but I want to you know financially be this way you know we have very strong feelings on what our life's going to look like we do not ask our friends those same questions we don't say uh I'm gonna cry if you forget my birthday I am not a birthday person Nikki I never remember anyone's birthday but I no, have friends same. I have yeah. friends that have birthday festivals and they would yeah. be devastated if I forgot their birthday I don't care if you remember my birthday you know I would be more inclined to say look I would really like to have one lunch with you a year where we you know that's the most important thing to me where we I would like you to sign a contract that we won't have any small talk where we talk about the weather Do you know, yeah. I would <laughs> you know I would like you to be honest about what's going on with your children you know rather than dress it up or whatever Do you know we just don't um we, I, I think social media has a lot to answer for with what it's projected of. Yeah, for where sure. We and, think. I, and and going back to your conversation about your friend, you know, even if he, he's not a Facebook person, you could have seen posts over the course of the year and just not known. You yes. Know, like pe people yes. can dress up and dress down what they put on social media. Sometimes you yes. can tell as someone, you know, if there's someone that posts all the time and then they go missing and you think, oh, I haven't seen a post from that person for a while, that might be a clue that something's going on in their life or they might just be busy. You know, like, yes. so there's just different things that go on um, and, and you don't really know because what you see in social media is not the full story about what's going on in anyone's life. So that's, yeah. that's another thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the thing about expats friendships is that they're so deep and messy and but amazingly fulfilling. And also I find that I have been friends over the course of my expat life with people that I never would have imagined that I'd be friends with. Yes. Um, which I think has opened me up to a more broader world view yep. and a lot of things, but but not I'm just not saying worldview, but just, just as a broader world. Like the things yep. uh, people I've met and the things I've come to be interested in or, or know about have just been exponentially enhanced do you know what that, do so. you know what worries me nikki at the moment with expat friendships and social media is um i've noticed within social media now with those you know connect groups and whatever they'll say uh women 20 to 25 you know 25 to 35 da, 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 da. and I keep thinking oh all the people you would miss out on because people are now defining these groups into more modified I only want these sorts of people yeah 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 and, I, I, yeah 
I, I, I saw a I saw a, a a group in Dubai recently, and they're they're all about you know a, a meeting up and going out and whatever. And I looked at them and I thought, you're all exactly the same age. There's no one yes. there that's that's not the same age. Like and and you are totally jipping yourself of expertise because I think that's the problem, isn't it? Is it's allowed us now to ha- kind of have these relationships without depth yeah i mean yeah, for yeah. sure and and sometimes you see um in expert forums people say oh you know i i'd like to do this or i'd like to do that let it let me know if you want to do it and then people respond and they say oh well how old are you or you know yeah. if someone posts oh i was going to do something with someone but then they asked how old I was and then they said they didn't want to do it anymore. Like uh, those kinds of things, I'm just like, Ouch. why would that yeah. Why would that be an issue? Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. I mean, it can, do, it can be to do with people's personal insecurities and, and discomfort, but it's just like it's just an amazing opportunity to, you know, if you go into a workplace, um, not everyone's the same age in a workplace. You know, you can form no. very solid and, and lifelong friendships in a workplace and there are all sorts of people that are different ages um, with different levels of experience in life and in, in employment and career-wise. Yes. And I think being an expat's a little bit like a workplace. You just go into a lot of different workplaces. So yeah. you should sort of be open to that kind of experience anyway. Yes, yeah. yes. All right, Nikki, three favourite things. What are your three favourite things? Okay, let me tell you what my three favourite things are. I have to say I'm into sequels at the moment or, or second season, you know, follow-up seasons. So the Newsreader Season 2, it's an oh, Australian yes. uh, TV was... show on the yep. ABC. It's fantastic. Um, and it's uh, now got a companion podcast done by yes. – um, yeah, to also news journalists, but the the just the the era that they're covering in this second season, so the 1987 election, the 1988 bicentenary of Australia, and all the is- indigenous issues that come up in that at the time, yes. which I guess I wasn't so aware of at the time, but it's very feels so foretelling or prescient in terms of 2023, and you know we're about mm. to go through a national referendum. I just feel like it's it's so clever in that you know, everything old is new again, like fashion and everything, but mm. also issues don't go away. They just go around in circles, really. So the newsreaders on the ABC, you can watch it on ABC iView, but the the woman in that, the other thing that I think is in, interesting is the it's the Indigenous issues that basically we've got one Indigenous person that we roll out for everything and that every time they can't get him to talk, it's a problem. But yeah. the other one was, and I remember this, of, women newsreaders couldn't be seen as being too hard. So yes. I remember at the time we had Yana Vent, Vent. who yes. – um, And she got a lot of bad press for, you know, being a being tough Being too hard and yeah. too tough, yeah. Um, and it still happens today, right? I mean in the companion podcast you've got Lisa Iles who used to uh, do the 7.30 report and she was – pulled up on it all the time for being too yeah. tough and too angry and too hard and, yeah, but that's a great one, Nikki. I think we're up to episode three and I'm with you. Just the music, the fashion, 1987, yeah. you know, done the Hoddle Street shooting. So, yeah, it is It is really interesting. I think when you and, to- you and I talked about the newsreader last time, we both did comment, though, that we thought 
the ABC had done a little bit of um, taken a little bit of license with the diversity that they showed in the office. You know, the yes, fact that there was that actually that yes, level of diversity. We don't think the- there was that level of diversity <laughs> of having a you know Indian head of news and a Korean executive producer (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and the other thing is sex education season four has dropped and it is also so amazing i'm sure your younger son and i could talk about it for a long time (laughs) if he's he's be able to drag himself away from his studies to do that so hannah gadsby is in it and she um is in this season as gillian anderson's boss complete with her aussie accent you know questions no explanation just i like that more and more in international shows australians are just turning up as australians and There's no explanation. We don't need to explain yeah. why they're Australian, have an Australian accent. They just do. But she is fantastic. And and I read a thing about it, which I think is very sweet, that sex education can be placed within the popular new genre of kind TV, in inverted commas, mm. things like Ted Lasso, Schitt's Creek and Heartstopper. Creator and lead writer said, I hope in some way it feels a little bit like a hug from the TV. I really wanted to make a show that I would have loved to watch when I was a teenager a show that says it's okay to be a bit different, not always fit into the mould and you can still love yourself and have a great life and great friendships. That would have meant a lot to me. And I really think that the issues that they're addressing this season as well, they just do it in such an amazing way and just so straightforward and show all the awkwardness and difficulty and just answer a lot of questions that people have about things by just just doing the show. So I just I really, really enjoy it. Beautiful. That's a strong recommend season four. And the, my third favourite thing is also a TV show. I'm back on a little bit of TV, Kirsty. I did have a drought there for a while. It's a show on Amazon called Wilderness. Um, and it's a British psychological thriller television miniseries it's based on a novel by someone called B.E. Jones, which I have not read. It stars Jenna Coleman and Oliver Jackson Cohen. And it's, you know, Liv and Will Taylor are a young couple whose marriage um, gets a little bit on the rocks when the wife found out something on or something on the husband's mobile phone and it all sort of goes from there. So it, it sort of it starts off as being, oh, you think it's going to be a drama, but it's really much more of a psychological thriller after that. So, yeah, it's um, – I watched it. I just scroll – like I just – bounced through it the other night I was doing something else and I just I think I was unpacking and I just turned the tv <laughs> towards the kitchen and and was just unpacking and watching at the same time so yeah no I really really enjoyed that one so that's a good one yep. that's my recommendation as well Kirsty, what are your three favorite things so I think the last time we were talking podcasts and then from that podcast I had a lot of people come and give me their podcast recommendations. Ah, One, yes, because we talked about the girlfriends I think last time. Which was yes, cool. yes. And then someone said, and we talked about Scamander and someone mm-hmm. said, if you like Scamander, you'll like I Believe in Magic. And I want to say to that person, thank you very much. I did. I loved I Believe in Magic. It was very good. That was the scammy one about the – um, mother and daughter and the daughter has cancer and then people start to think that she doesn't really and that they're just raising money as a scam and then the daughter 
dies and there is a oh. whole, yeah, there's a, and that is just the tip of the iceberg, Nikki. There's a whole Munchausen's, you know. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's I heard really that good. advertise a lot. Yes. Um, okay, I believe you mentioned. Okay. Okay, I'm but the one that. that I've the one I've really really been just blown away by is the one called Exposed, and it's about a cover up at Col- uh, Columbia University. Um, so the sexual predator in this is the OBGYN. Imagine that. So can oh. you imagine going for your first postpartum visit and having to call nine one one because you just have a feeling that someone may have licked a certain part of you but you're not really sure because oh my goodness yep you're in stirrups with a whole thing above where you can't really see what's going on but you know the nurse has left the room and oh Nikki is just skin crawling stuff um but it's kind of all about how Columbia University sort of ignored these women that had this feeling that there was something really going on. But it's also they managed to interview the lawyer for Columbia at the time who sounds just so – it's a woman and sounds so unfeeling because she's so black and white about her job, exactly like you would want your lawyer to be, right? Whether they believe someone's innocent or not, they're just doing their job. But they that person was then able to undermine prosecutors and uh, and also just protect this predator. And he was, they describe him as this really softly spoken, fatherly kind of guy. And I just think I remember when I was having babies, there always used to be these jokes about that women kind of fell in love with their OBGYNs because they form such strong bonds with them and then these people, you know, deliver their babies and and do whatever. And you just, you're listening to this thinking, oh, my God, just the, the total breakdown of trust and just how hideous it all is um anyway i thought that was very very interesting that's um exposed um and then have you watched deadlock on amazon prime i have watched deadlock yes it's a cracker that is an absolute cracker so that one's been around for a while it's based in tassie it is a it is that real aussie uh sort of laconic um, humour. They're preparing for a winter festival. Local man shows up dead and then it's just absolute hilarity. But also <laughs> also you're kind of thinking, well, who did do it? Because each episode you, you think you've pretty much nailed it and then you haven't. So, um, yeah, there's every trope of a small town you can imagine with the vet, the mayor, the footy coach, the, you know, successful businesswoman. Uh it's well worth it. Eight episodes, murder mystery, just really wry. It's got Kate Box. If you're a fan of Rake, you will remember her. Um, Madeline Sammy, who was in The Letdown, she was one of the parents, and Alicia Gardner, who I remember from Offspring as the nurse. Um, but she's she's just fantastic. So They're amazing, strong they female are leads so in that. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so, so good. So, so, so good. And then he. With sport this week, <laughs> I'm going to have to combine two loves because my football team was out in straight sets in the final, so it was sort of over before it even began. 
but I just haven't had time to be sad because I am so, so on the uh, Spurs train for, and the Spurs, by that I mean the Tottenham Spurs, which are in the English Premier League. There is an Australian guy called Ange Postacoglu who is the new coach of the Spurs and if there is nothing that is more Ted Lasso-like at the moment, if Ted Lasso was a an Australian, um, it is just a cracker. And, and Greg and I are both so invested in the Spurs, it's ridiculous. We're now talking how do we get tickets and go to a game. Uh it, I have just found this absolute love. And I think it, you know, obviously started with the World Cup here of learning more about the game. But yeah. then the Matildas train came and everyone was yeah. on the Matildas train. And now with the Spurs, it's like, yep, I totally get it. Now I'm here. I'm here. And this is cheeky. I've got to do the last one, Nikki, but it's so relevant for right this minute. We're talking on Wednesday the 27th of September, which is a couple of days after Taylor Swift showed up at the Chiefs game to watch Travis Kelsey. Oh, Nikki, you know when people say, it's the content I just didn't know I needed? This is the content. Oh. Oh, I am loving it. So, Nikki, back when we – when did we go to Singapore? Was that February, March, I think, somewhere around there? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So when we went to Singapore, one of my favourite things when we went to Singapore was Mrs Kelsey, as in mother of Jason and Travis. And I could not stop talking about Mrs Kelsey because she had been at the Super Bowl. She had a son on either team. She, I just thought she sort of captured the hearts of a nation but also of all mothers when we all thought, well, what would you do when one child is devo and one child is ecstatic and she just, it was just so beautiful how she spoke to both of them separately. But so that was when I first sort of had my thing for Travis Kelsey and then I started listening to his podcast. And so Liz, so today... They've just released, like we're talking two hours ago, and I've listened to it, Nikki. I listened to it on the way home. And it's fantastic because they just build you up all the way through. You think they're going to talk about it, they're going to talk about it, they're going to talk about it, and they don't and they don't and they don't and they don't and they get right to the end. And he talks about it in the most, uh, what would you say, respectful way and he basically just tells you, I'm not going to talk about it. You're, you're not going to hear me talking about my love life because there's someone else involved who hasn't signed up for this, who doesn't do a weekly podcast and we'll just, we'll just leave that one to the side. But he did say, his brother said to him, so what has changed in your life since you broke the internet? And he did say, well, I've now got paparazzi outside my house. And he, the guy, his brother said, how do you know they're paparazzi? And he said, because they've all got European accents and they keep screaming out my name. <laughs> but the thing the thing I have to ask there did you it was an hour and a half because that's how long the podcasts are and Kirsty I know you're not an hour and a half podcast listener oh no I'm not an hour and a half listener have you have you ever listened to particularly Travis he has he he should be on radio like he has one of those yeah. voices and they are very entertaining someone's given them great lessons on how to do a great podcast you know they're they're fast and they're zippy and they're funny and they're good. I'd so, say they employ a pretty good producer to keep that yes, content. Yes, to keep awesome. that going. 
Um, but yeah, beautiful voice. But I mean, oh my goodness. And just the TikToks, the gram, the content people are coming up with. You know, my favorite one is this really butch guy who's, you know, laying on his bed and says, you know, I don't get into internet relationships. I'm a man. I don't need any of this rubbish. And then he goes, but oh my God, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And he's like, starts going. It's so good. It's so well, good. Well, all I can think about is is the future lyrics of her songs because I am, as you would know, invested in learning the whole uh, songbook of Taylor Swift at the moment for when I'm attending the concert next year in February. <laughs> so I'm just like, this poor guy has got no idea what's ahead of him. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for sure, yes, it. no, everyone's yeah. loving it. It's, it's, it's pure, it's kind, it's kind internet. It's pure It is kind and internet. And he did say, because it all started, for those that have got no idea who or what we're talking about, <laughs> it started because she played at his stadium where he plays football. And he said on his podcast that he wanted to give her a friendship bracelet with his number 87. That's what he wanted to do was like he'd made a little friendship bracelet. He thought he'd give it to her. And then he mentioned on someone else's podcast, I didn't ever get to give it to her. You know, I'm, I'm bummed that I didn't get to give it to her. And I would have loved to talk to her about, well, hey, you need to come and say, see me play in the stadium and we'll compare, you know, who's more lit between you and me. And I have to say he really did his best to make sure that he put on the best performance because he um, created a touchdown, he converted, he played a good game. The interesting thing, Nikki, and I haven't heard other people talking about this yet, is she's sitting next to his mother through the whole thing and at one stage she just yells out, let's effing go, like to celebrate his you know, score, and it was like, wow, that's that's brave in front of the new, you know, the new mum. <laughs> and then they went to a restaurant that they booked out for the night and stayed till 2 o'clock and his mother and dad and father were also there at the restaurant. <laughs> Straight into family mode. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, but yes, no, uh, it's, it's, it's wholesome cute. content the internet's looking for. It is, it is. Okay, Nikki, we've made it. it must be very late for you because it's getting late in the day for me. So thank you very, very much for staying up late um, to do this. Not at all. Very happy to chat and let's do it more often, Kirsty, because now we can work our windows. Although you have an amazing, exciting week coming up. So what's happening? I do. Your I have um, my baby, Henry Hotdog. He arrives on uh, Friday morning, even after that was after, you know, he told his sisters they need to drive him to the airport on Friday night. And I said, no, they need to drive you to the airport on Thursday night, bud. <laughs> Good, glad that we've got that all under control. Um, so, yes, I have him arriving on Friday. And then the following week, I have my eldest, uh, Lizzie Longlegs, coming and she uh, will be here with her boyfriend Connor, um, which is just very, very beyond exciting, exciting. Do you know, it's it's a good time of year to be here. It's still hot to the point that I had to have a little lay down when I um, went out in the heat this morning because I thought I was going to die of sunstroke. So it's still 
I think I think today's temperature was 31 but feels like 42, that sort of humidity. Oh, yes. yes. People forget that Doha is very humid, so you walk around with yep. just uh, perspiration everywhere. Mm. But um, uh, but the excitement is they will come, we will go to Formula One. Uh, so Bruno Mars is playing at Formula One, um, which is going to be fantastic. And then uh, my daughter's going to go off and do sort of her first bit of exciting. I mean, she's done the barley thing and whatever, but this time now she's going to go to Egypt. So I'm really excited for it. It's like, yay, go you. Do you know, like you've yeah. paid for it, you've saved for it, you're, you've organised it, you're off. Like I, is there anything better? No, watch. there's nothing better. And that's so exciting. Yeah. I didn't realise you're going to Formula One. My daughter will be jealous as because she's become like some sort of seen. Formula One fan. I have seen well, on her out of Instagram. Nowhere. I've got no idea. Yes, yeah, that's all her Instagram content is, Formula One drivers. Anyway. Did she be did she become a drive to survive? fan on netflix is that what happened um well no i asked her about that she said no she just and she can give you all sorts of statistics and information and anyway fantastic whatever so yes anyway that's what she's up to so i'll just keep that on the download that you're there okay all right <laughs> good then. chat i'll speak to you soon talk soon bye-bye <laughs>